South Pine City Church. It's really good to be with you this evening. Um, I'm just, I'm curious, how many of you have helped with setup? If you've helped with setup and tear down the last few weeks, can you just raise your hand? We just want to say a big thank you to you. It's all the people at the perimeter. Yeah, we just want to say a big thank you to you for all of your hard work. Because this looks really simple, but it's really heavy. And it's a lot of hard work, right? So we just want to say thank you to you all for that. Um, so today, we are talking about the sacred question, what do you want? We've been in this sacred question series, and we've talked about several sacred questions over the past few weeks. We um, have talked about these sacred questions where we see God asking questions of characters in the Bible, and we can actually um, find ourselves in these stories. There's a little bit of shared humanity in these stories. And so the very first week, we talked about this question, where are you? And we saw how God interacted with Adam and Eve in the garden, and God said, where are you? Because he was calling and drawing Adam and Eve out. And then the second week, we saw um, Jesus interact with a lame man by the pool. And Jesus said, do you want to get well? Because, again, Jesus was drawing this man out. He wanted this man to get well. And it was all about healing and restoration. And then last week, Ryan talked to us about the, the passage um, with Moses in Exodus, where God asks Moses, what's in your hand, Moses? What's in your hand? Because he wants Moses to see that there's hope and there's possibility beyond what's in Moses' hand and beyond the despair that Moses is experiencing and feeling. And so tonight we're going to talk about what you want, and we're going to look at the story of Bartimaeus from Mark 10. Um, but before I do that, I, have to, I want to take us back to that very first question, where are you? Because it's been my personal experience that we need to answer that question before we answer any of the other questions. So we can think about tonight, where are you? And in a true South Bend City Church fashion, we're going to do an open floor tonight, but we're going to do a collective open floor. And this might feel a little weird or corny to some of us, and that's okay. I'm okay with that if you're okay with that. Um, but I want you to think about where are you? Like what soul word or feeling word or thought or action would you attach to where you are right now? Right? So think about it. And if you're listening online or you're listening later this week, we invite you into this practice with us. Because in a few moments, I'm going to invite you to say your word out loud to someone next to you. If you're sitting around a few empty seats, I invite you to say your word to me or say your word to God. One of my favorite authors, Anne Lamont, she said sometimes our favorite, our, our best prayers are actually those one-word prayers. And she actually wrote a book about it called Help, Thanks, Wow, because she says sometimes those are the only words that she can pray to God. And so I want you to think about what is your one word for where you are right now. And on the count of three, we're going to say them out loud, okay? Everybody have their word? All right, one, two, three. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Now we know where we are, right? And we can take a look at what do we want. So if you've been a part of South Bend City Church for a while, you know that um, tables are our expression of intentional community, that we gather together in tables um, for connection, for community, for uh, group conversation. It's what makes South Bend City Church feel like home to so many of us, to be a part of a table. And uh, the two sacred questions that we ask in those tables are, where are you and what do you want? And I don't know about you guys, but I have a love-hate relationship with these questions because I can always answer, where, where am I? Right? I'm quick. I'm like the type that's quick to put words or thoughts or feelings to where I am. 
But that question, what do you want, that makes my heart pound out of my chest. And I'm quick to think about what it is that I want, but I'm scared to share it with the rest of you, right? And I, we have a great group. We, we actually do this in a really fun way where our group leader, because he has this funny personality, one of our group leaders, he randomly calls on us. So it's not even like I'm sitting there anticipating everybody's answer going around the table until you get to me. It's that I know what I want, but I'm afraid it sounds surfacy or petty or unworthy. Uh, last year, we talked about this sacred question, and Jay actually said sometimes we actually have to name those surfacy, petty, unworthy desires because when we name them, then they lose their grip in our lives. And so sometimes we have to name those desires in order to get to the deeper desires deep down inside of us. So sometimes I think, man, this sounds so surfacy, what I really want as we're answering this as a table group. Uh, and, then, and then there's the next thought, which is like, man, this is the same thing that I wanted last week and two weeks ago and two months ago, and I just sound like I'm on repeat, but it's what I really want. And then there are other times where what I want is so deep inside of me. It's so core to who I am. It's so core to this um, desire that I, that I sense God stirring in me that I'm afraid to share it out loud because it feels too deep or too vulnerable or I, I feel like I'm a little exposed. And I love my group. These guys are good friends. They are a safe place. But to speak a sacred, a deep sacred desire out loud to them, to answer that question, what do you want, is a little scary sometimes. So tonight we're going to talk about this question, what do you want, and we're going to find ourselves in the story of Bartimaeus. Let's read it up on the screen. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So when I first read this passage, I thought, oh, great. Like, what a, you know, uh, what a great lesson. You just have to have the courage to ask Jesus for what you really want, and then you get it, and then you move forward from there. But over the years, I realized that's actually a really Western way of seeing this passage. And that if we see this passage through the lens of an Eastern context, there's so much more going on here. So we're going to look at this, uh, this passage through the lens of a context and through the lens of the response. And I think context is really important. You know, I'm a mom of teenagers. I have a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old, two boys. And when my boys come to me and they say, hey, mom, what's for dinner? I know that there's a lot more context behind that question, right? Like if you're a parent sitting in the room, you all know that there's a lot more behind that question. Because what's really behind that question is, hey, mom, what's for dinner? Because if I don't like what you're going to make, I'm going to go to Taco Bell with Sam. Or I'm going to ask Jacob if I can come to his house and have dinner with his family. Or I'm going to make my own bowl of ramen and then top it off with a bowl of cereal. Right? That's the context of that question. 
And so context is really important in understanding um, not only our own lives and our own interactions with each other, but I think in um, understanding scripture as well. So let's just take a little look at this passage again. Um, I also want us just to pause and look at this idea that Jesus' sacred question calls out a really sacred response in Bartimaeus. Okay? So when we look at this story, let's go back to the beginning, if we can go back. This says, Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man named Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging. This means that at this point, Jesus is sort of up and to the right with his career, meaning he's at the height of his ministry career. He has a lot of followers at this point. Um, So he has this entourage. We talked about this last time when we um, talked through sacred questions that Jesus actually has like the team Jesus around him, like his groupies, his followers, the disciples. It's more than his disciples, but he has a group of people around him. We know, because we have access to the rest of the story, that Jesus is actually going to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover with his disciples, and then he's on to his crucifixion. But the disciples don't know that yet. And so they think that they're at the height of, of Jesus' ministry, and they get to be a part of what's happening. We also see Bartimaeus sitting outside. He's outside along the road, which means that he's a social outcast. Um, in, the, in an Eastern context, we find this story in a Middle Eastern Jewish context. Um, the fact that Bartimaeus is sitting outside, he's probably a social outcast. Um, He probably has brought shame to his family because he was either born blind or became blind. And in an Eastern context, there's a reason why, right? Or so it's believed. There's a reason why you're born with a disability. There's a reason why you're born lame or why you're born blind. Did your parents do something or did you do something? So there's a reason why Bartimaeus is sitting out by the roadside. And then we go on to the next verse. When he heard that it was the Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. When we understand this passage from an Eastern context, we understand that Bartimaeus is actually saying, Jesus, Messiah. And this is the first time in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus is referred to as the Messiah. So even Jesus' closest followers, they have not referred to him as the Messiah. In fact, they're still trying to figure out, is he the Messiah? I don't know, is he? You know, they're kind of asking that question, but they're following Jesus because he claims to be the Messiah. And Bartimaeus, full of courage, calls out Jesus, son of David, Jesus, Messiah, And this catches Jesus' ear, right? And so he says to his disciples or his team Jesus, the people around him, call him. It's the very same people who were rude to Bartimaeus a little while ago, and Jesus says, call him. So the disciples, they go and they get Bartimaeus, and this is what we see next. So they call to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. I want to stop right there. Throwing his cloak to his feet, he came to Jesus. When we understand that in a Western, in, a, in an Eastern context, not our Western context, but in an Eastern context, throwing your cloak aside actually meant that you were like leaving your possessions behind to follow the one who called you. And so here we see Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, and he hears Jesus and he's called to Jesus. And the first thing he does is throw his cloak aside as if to say, I'm leaving my possessions behind to follow the one who called me. Think about it. 
A cloak was probably one of the only possessions that Bartimaeus had, right? He's a blind beggar. So, and, and he's blind. So if he throws his cloak off and this doesn't go well, like how's he gonna find it again, right? Unless he has other people around him who are pointing out his cloak. So that took a lot of faith that he's throwing off his cloak as if to say, I'm leaving all of my possessions behind Jesus and I'm following your voice, I'm coming to you. And then when he gets to Jesus, this is what happens. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. This question is really important. To, if When you understand the Eastern context of what's going on, here's the deal. In, in an ancient Eastern context, questions were often used to publicly shame or to teach a lesson or to show disrespect. In fact, we see this happen to Jesus quite a few times. He's called out publicly by the religious leaders of the day for uh, working on the Sabbath and for eating with sinners and for not fasting when um, other people were fasting. And um, who are we supposed to pay our imperial tax to, Jesus? And uh, Jesus, what happens to marriage at the resurrection? Like all of these are instances of people trying to shame Jesus publicly because it was an honor-shame culture. And so you, you shamed people publicly and you expressed honor to people privately. So... You can imagine that the disciples had their eyes raised or their eyebrows up because they're thinking like, ooh, Bartimaeus is going to get it from Jesus because that's what happens in their culture is that this kind of scenario is often meant for public shaming. And what does Jesus do? He asks Bartimaeus a question, what do you want me to do for you? Or in essence, what do you want Bartimaeus? As his way of showing Bartimaeus dignity and honor and respect in front of people who, who have done the exact opposite towards Bartimaeus. So dignity and honor and respect. And I often think about, like, if I were Bartimaeus, how would I have responded to Jesus? Think about it. He's a blind beggar sitting by the roadside. This guy probably had some basic needs that weren't being met. And when we're in survival mode, when we don't have basic needs being met, it's really hard to think about our sacred desires beyond our needs. Right? Bartimaeus probably needed food and water. He probably needed shelter, a safe place to lay his head at night, or money so he had access to all of those things. And yet when Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus calls out with his deepest desire that he wanted his sight. And I think, like, how would I respond you know, if Jesus was here face-to-face -face with me or if Jesus was here face-to-face -face with you, like, what do you want? How would you respond to Jesus? I could think of a lot of things that I want right now. now. I think that we come here tonight and we all have a really painful desire for peace and justice and healing in our world, right? Especially the last few weeks, the last few years. Uh, I, I know we all want this pandemic to come to an end. I want my kids to go back to school when it's safe to do so, right? I want to uh, have more confidence in the work that I do, and I want to make a decent income so I can support my family better, so that we can tag team and support our family better. I want to be understood by some people in my life where we're always seeming to miss each other and there's always a level of misunderstanding. Some days I want to escape to the mountains or the beach, if I'm being honest, right? Lake Michigan is a great substitute. Uh, the beautiful beaches there. But some days I just want to escape it all. Some days I want to have faith um, because it feels like a really dark day. 
And I think we've all had more of those uh, recently than we'd ever care to admit, that we've had some really dark moments in this season. And so what do you want? And Jesus asked Bartimaeus, and we look at Bartimaeus's response, and we see that he calls out with his most sacred desire. And here's why I think this is really interesting. There are social scientists who actually say that there are three ways of showing up in the world. And we all have access to all three of these ways. But there are those of us who hear that question, what do you want? And we know what we want, right? We think about what we want. There are those of us who hear that question, what do you want? And we think about what we want in relation to one or two people who are close to us in our lives. It's like, what I want is what we want. What you want is what we want. And so we think about our desire in relation to the people who are most close to us or the intimate relationships in our lives. And then there's a third group of people who, when they hear that question, what do you want? They think about it more from a social perspective. Like, what do we want? What's best for all of us as a group? You know, I'm married to a man like that. Uh, take, for instance, birthdays. Um, we'll ask Matt, hey, what do you want for your birthday? And usually an REI gift card is like it for him. And REI is an outdoor store. My husband loves that place. Um, but then when he starts to um, fill his online cart or we go to the store and he starts to fill a cart with his uh, things that he's collecting with his, his gift card money, um, I look down and I see it's all family camping things. Because Matt has a really hard time thinking about what he wants because he's always thinking about what's good for all of us. What's good for us as a family? What's good for us as a community? What's good for us as a church, right? And so you might be like, why are you sharing this information? Like kind of interesting, but I'm not sure how it connects. Because here's the deal, guys. I want you to understand that we all have deep, sacred desires underneath those surfacey, petty desires that bubble to the surface. And our desires, they look different from the people sitting next to us, right? Just because you're in constant community with someone, a roommate, a spouse, a sibling, a, a colleague, it doesn't mean that our desires sound similar. We're all created uniquely in the image of God, and our desires sound different. They look different, and that's okay. I also want you to know that your desire sounds like faith to Jesus, right? Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And when Bartimaeus told him he wanted his sight, Jesus said, go, your faith has healed you. And so our deepest sacred desires, they sound like faith to Jesus. And you know what? We're not the only ones who have deep sacred desires. Jesus has a deep sacred desire, and that's to be in connection and in community with us. And we see this in the way he calls out Bartimaeus. We see this in the way he engages the lame man by the pool from a few weeks ago. We see this in the way he engages each one of us in our own individual lives and how we watch Jesus engage other people as well. We are the sacred desire of Jesus. One more thing that I, I think is um, interesting about Bartimaeus' sacred desire I think it's easy, you know, if you're like, oh gosh, I don't know if my sacred desires are petty or if they're really the sacred desire that God's placed in my heart. But here's, here's something really interesting. Bartimaeus wasn't running from his situation. He wasn't running from being a blind beggar alongside the road. He was running to something. He was running to Jesus and he was running to the faith and the hope that God would heal him, that Jesus would give him his sight back. 
And so I just want you to think about that as your desires bubble to the surface. Are you running from something or are you running to something? And I think that your sacred desires might be found in your answer to that question. Like, what are you running to these days? And so I'm going to ask the band to come up as we close out here. And I want you to think about, what do you want? Like, what do you really want? And if it's surfy, surfacy or petty or unworthy, that's okay. Name it. But keep naming those, those desires. Because underneath those surfacy, petty desires are your sacred desires. The desires of your heart. The desires that Jesus has placed in you. The desires that draw you closer to Jesus. So what are, your, what are your sacred desires? And that's faith. That's what Jesus says. That's faith. You know, there's a God who longs to hear you. And there's a God who longs to say to you, go, your faith has healed you. So we're going to sing with the band, and then I'll come back up for our benediction.